Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 4, titled Rendition. Uh, I'm not actually sure how that title relates to this episode. Are you? It's extraordinary. I don't know. When I think of rendition, I always think of like the controversial, extraordinary rendition, where it's essentially like the United States, like, we don't torture people. But we do turn you over to black cells in other countries. We'll torture the fuck out of you. Gotcha. And you, you better talk to us or the, yeah. So I, I, I think they're going, you know, obviously there's waterboarding. Like this is, uh, yep. timely considering we're, uh, up on the 20th anniversary of 9 11, re- kind of relitigating all that stuff in, in, in our collective country conscience. So, uh, yeah. Some, uh, I don't know. How do you feel about Daryl getting waterboarded? I think they wrote that episode or this episode with that in mind, like when it would be know. released. That's interesting. It's like, uh, it, you know, I, it, it, who knows? Who knows? Probably a little bit. Yeah. I mean, how, how could it not be on your mind? At least somewhat. Um, what'd you think of this episode? Was it extraordinary? You know, I thought this was a pretty good episode. Like it's one of those things where we talked about before where sometimes in the moment, storylines don't work, but the show assumes that they do. And once it rumbles on a little bit, they can touch on that shared history and be like, remember, Daryl's got a girlfriend. They they parted on mysterious circumstances. She had a fancy knife that had FS carved into it. Uh, uh, you know, it's like I don't I didn't ever really bought that relate. But like, you know, the fact that like, oh, I don't didn't really buy that relationship. And they had all that kind of like you know, magical realism, Pooh's hundred acre woods kind Mm -hmm. of searching kind of like all that stuff like didn't really work. But, you know, if you look back and like, okay, well, Daryl did have the girlfriend and that probably meant something to him. And this is a tough situation from both. Like it works in the moment here. And I got to say, I really like what they're doing to these Reapers. It's a, it's a completely different new type of crazy that feels like I can get my hands around it. What do you think? Pseudo military. I don't know. I mean, it's a militaristic religious cult essentially, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's slightly different from some of the other religious and or military based cults we've seen in this show. I still feel like it is a retread of the same threat. You know, it's like, okay, another threat from another outside source. It still feels like that. I will Mm -hmm. say I like the performance of the guy who was playing Pope um, Mm -hmm. right down to the way he wears his stupid hat. The no forehead look is kind of kind of doing it for me. Um, I, I do like all their gear. I think they look pretty cool, even with the hoods and masks off. Uh so yeah, I mean that stuff's that stuff's working. I it's a certain kind of crazy that I think is going to be kind of fun to watch, but I don't know if it's it's interesting enough for me to ignore the fact that it's more of the same in a final season I was hoping for something else from. Yeah, to to me it's a little bit different. I like the religious zealotry, the the kind of pseudo mercenary cult. I can I can definitely see how society would like press these guys into that shape. And I do think that this is a little bit of a a distraction because I think this is just a, a minor foe to keep the Alexandrian yeah. people busy while the true thing, the, the, the Commonwealth comes into its own. I hope you're so right like, about that. I'm fine with that. I, I, I am a little antsy that we've gotten away from the Commonwealth a bit and I kind of want to get back to that story and I'm sure we will. It doesn't seem like next week though. I, I saw the preview for next week and next week seems like uh uh, so back to kind of like Alexander proper and, and Aaron uh, and, and people scrambling around trying to feed people and keep them safe. Oh, I thought there but, was some uh, fair bit of Commonwealth stuff in there. I heard Ezekiel doing a couple lines. Yeah, not not oh, lines guess, of coke. Just that's true. I guess like, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, maybe we'll get a little bit more blended. And I think that's the way to go because I can see this getting a little thin. But yeah, I I. I uh, the, the things it doesn't explain the like mask nature of it, but I guess if this guy's going heavily into like the League of Shadows theatricality, like it's terrifying that they don't see your faces, so they don't know if you've ever killed, you know, like because we were debating about like, god damn, how'd they not kill anyone? Well, they did kill someone, 
Yeah. But they do the Batman smoke bombs and disappear. And it's like, and this guy just hoofs this guy's body 10 miles to number one, you know, uh, keep the esprit de corps, the leave no man behind. But number two, the aid in the mystique of this outfit. Um, right. And they, I, they try and explain this in the inside the walk into whatever it's called at the end where they interview inside the Kang. Yeah. Kang from her Kang cave. Uh, uh-huh. and, and she basically said, yeah, a lot of the inspiration for the look of these guys was based on sometimes military personnel have like specialized use for masks, like a gas mask or something. And it's oh, like inspired bullshit. by video games it looks is, yeah, much more heavily by inspired army by army of tube or whatever the fuck exactly, that thing yeah. the, where they went around Payday crazy and, yeah. Payday, yes yes like no there's not like i don't even think mercenary forces get up to this kind of stupid shit this is like uh, airsoft right. teams and video game guys but pretty much yeah. Yeah. but yeah they they tried to pass it off as as somewhat military inspired Seems like stretch. I'm surprised there's not more religious imagery. Like if these guys all uh-huh. had like crosses painted on them or something like that, that would make more or sense. Or flames. Like, where, where are the fucking flames? flames? Like yeah. you can, these guys don't have flame tattoo, the entire sleeves of flames. Yeah. They just have that, uh, f- you know, fuego saviorator. I don't know. I, I, I know the Latin. I wrote it down in the context of it. And actually, <laughs> I was a little bit impressed by how much uh, like Easter eggs and like foreshadowing and stuff that they've blended in these you know kind of like weak uh weaker pandemic episodes like they were doing stuff we just number one didn't know what to look i mean we were remarked on i was like what the fuck does fs mean do you think uh and there's a tattoo on her and i think i even noted the tattoo on leah but like they mm-hmm. were kind of laying some tracks and i you know i i gotta say having the leah thing that didn't quite work out eight weeks ago um, allowed them to still recall that kind of memory of like, oh yeah, well I guess it kind of, in a way that it just wouldn't have worked that they introduced all this the last episode. So like, I think yeah. the pandemic episodes did allow them to do a couple of things, you know, like, hey, we need to establish this stuff and maybe we can get it like so, so I don't know, maybe in retrospect again, I can't imagine ever wanting to watch the mid, especially the middle uh, pandemic episodes, but maybe they were doing more than, than we gave them credit for, maybe. I, I don't know what the commentary was like at the time uh, when the bonus episodes came out or mm-hmm. honestly, even when this episode came out, I didn't have a lot of time to read about this one. Um, but it feels like whatever commentary is out there and whatever the fan reaction has been to these last run of episodes has put Kang and crew a little bit on their back foot because she's sounding very defensive in those inside walking dead, whatever things uh, where she was saying, this stuff with Leah was always the plan from the start. We didn't just come up with it right after the Leah episode. This was always how we were going to go with it. It felt no, I very defensive. I, I believe. So. Right. I don't know why she needed to explain that because it does feel like that was part of the plan, but it's funny maybe it's, to me, the tone of it. Maybe it's just because I, I know the reaction to all, but I think the, the Negan episode was pretty poor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, over the off season, the, you know, it's not that the walking Dead lost a bunch of fans because they, they exited the season 10 with about 2 million people watching day one. And they've come back to about that somewhere between 2 million, 1.89. Um, but I do think maybe cause like, yeah, obviously these Kang cave things were all recorded in advance of the season. There's no way that they're calling her, you know, the week of and be like, what do you think about the episode? Do you remember anything? No, like yeah. these are all stuff that they did prepared. Wait, wait, are these recycled talking dead segments? Are we sure that they're not? not? No, they can't be. They can't. Or maybe they <laughs> that are. Sounds, I don't that know. sounds economic as economical as fuck. fuck. Maybe, maybe they are doing that. Um, I don't know. I'll have to, I'd have to actually watch a talking dead episode. Right. Um, but I, I don't I don't know because like yeah the, she might be defensive about this particular thing because it was people like you know maybe not buying the Daryl thing and mm-hmm. that's the thing like I like I said I don't think that episode worked on a lot of levels because it bucked a lot of things what I thought I understood about Daryl I felt like her characterization was thin but clearly she had like you know we even talked about like she did a really good job in that one scene it's just like why yeah. the fuck do I care. You know, it's like if someone comes running up to me on the sidewalk of, you know, Cincinnati and tells me this like crazy sob story, like I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to be like, get the fuck away from me. Crazy. Why are you Heartless. telling me this? Heartless. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I am. No, I. So I I don't know. I 
but this episode in isolation, I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought like uh, some of the easy street stuff they were doing uh, where Daryl worked well, the visceral stuff with the torture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the tension between whether he's going to like Daryl might stay true. But this other rando Maggie's yes. friend, is he going to hold up? Like there's a lot of um, tension in that. And then like p- this Pope guy starts off pretty crazy and just gets crazier and crazier until the final mm-hmm. end of the episode. You're just like, Oh my God. But also knowing how kind of a cults and cults of personality works, that's the, t- like, you know, he's, this he's tells you about, it tells you something that this guy's able to do this mm-hmm. and everyone still is still maintained control of the group. Um, yeah. So it's, it, again, that's a lot of, this is going down a lot of whisper territory, but I just thought the visceral, that guy, being held down in the fire i thought it was going to be like a hound situation where this guy's just going to be yeah. scarred but like that's going to be his punishment but like held to the flames until death and you're like right there in the guy's face as it's happening the cg mm-hmm. shit was like horrific i it was i, I thought perfect, it was really effective yeah. yeah i thought it was really effective i was surprised how good that looked um i i couldn't help but think the entire time hmm are they going to put a bullet in this guy's head because he's coming back He's coming back. Mm, he is true. Fire does nothing that's to true. these. We saw the Judas Walker. I, I, I think that's you're right. That that's the fire. That's what they do with their uh, people. What did the Judas guy? Man, maybe you guys are right about uh, Casey Jones. It it's feeling more and more like it. But I. But okay. The other thing that Angela Kang said in this interview is, this is not a guy who's done this as punishment. Man, how did she word it? Very many often. times before, or very many times. Okay, very. And I All feel right. like that is teasing the fact that he mm. has done it at least once before, and that mm. he might have done it to Casey Jones. Because mm. he turned his Casey back on the whole damn group, right? Not just right. A, a dude. Like, and to be fair to Bossy, I think is his name, Bossy. Uh, he turned his back on his brother in order to murder one of his enemies who was actively trying to murder him it's not like oh yeah he we was knew running how scared. that fight went down and yeah he that the, like they he were they're fighting three or four to one or four yeah right one, two two to one odds three to one odds and so what I, if your friends go two different ways right. and you're caught in the middle you have to turn your back to one of them is he still gonna burn your or face in the you're, fire you're on the ground punching a guy to death and the guy behind you gets ganked and you get shot from behind just because your back was turned yeah like, this, that's what yeah, happened that's ex- right. So like we know that Pope guy is insane. And that's mm-hmm. the thing is like, this is a self, like this kind of purity testing is especially when you don't even fucking know is so self-serving yeah. or it's so self-destructive as I should say, because like, you know, this guy hoofed this guy's dead brother back for 10 miles and his reward is to be burned to death because Pope didn't a hundred percent understand because the other thing is like, also if you want people to just like blindly berserk, and charge into fire because they're completely unafraid. Well, you're all going to get killed, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like strategic retreat is a thing, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes you got to live to fight another day, but that's not like this. That's not what the guy with the grenade did, you know, like they seem to have this very kind of Spartan come back on your shield or with it, you know, uh, yeah. and Spartan society. That's the thing. Like a lot of people worship that shit. It wasn't a very effective society. It's not like it fucking took over all of Greece and held it in a death grip. They were just like <laughs> sure. the mar- martial weirdos of the Greek, you know, that didn't get along well with anybody and, 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 and ultimately got their asses kicked in and made irrelevant like everybody else. You did say one thing that I wanted to uh, praise the episode for because um, when when you're talking about the the easy street stuff that's happening and the tension of like okay, Daryl's not going to break. We know Daryl won't break, but will this other guy who has no incentive really to protect Alexandria? I mean, Maggie's not know like a lot with about it. Alexandria really. Right. So like, yeah, he doesn't know a lot about it. He could just give them up. There was a definite tension there and they didn't play it like the, the show definitely wants you to realize the tensions there, but they're not going to explain it to you. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. They're, they're relying on your knowledge of the situation, your knowledge, like trusting you to understand what's happening here uh, a little more than the walking dead has done in the past. And I think that's like one of the things that Angela Kang has done is taken the show to the next level in that regard and, and trusting its audience. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I thought that stuff was, was handled really well. And just honestly, the total bit, there's a lot of, uh, I just noticed a, you know, a little bit more interesting, uh, filmography, cinematography, the, you know, they really dressed up the classic walking dead trope of being tied, you know, drugged to a cabin with the burlap sack over your head with like, you know, just the use of space and light and color and the the harsh white light streaming through the slatted windows of that cabin, the, mm-hmm. the establishing shot. I thought that stuff was good. The like real low light photography they did in the uh, I don't know what the, the bathroom kennels or whatever they're being held in. That stuff was really atmospheric and well done and, and, and set and just doing the extra mile with the lighting and the filming um to make these these places feel more real and oppressive and menacing and all that kind of stuff so mm. yeah I, I thought this was a good actually walking dead episode yeah same here all right let's get into the recap but first let's take a quick break we're getting geared up for the sixth annual summer badass fest and while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, we start off with a flashback to the beginning of the Reaper attack, this time focused on Daryl, and he sneaks past a Reaper, but he gets attacked by some others, and <laughs> these Reapers throw a dog off a cliff, I guess, and Daryl manages to get away. What happened there? Because, like, as best I could tell, they rolled him gently down a hillside, but Daryl shouts, dog, no! Like, he just yeah, got they- m- Mac and Mead. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's only so much you can do. First of all, it's a dog. Nobody wants to hurt dogs. Number two, <laughs> if you did, the Humane Society would be all over you because you wouldn't get the no animals harmed in the making of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, what they do is they allude to the fact that, yeah, he gets yeeted off of the side of this <laughs> embankment. And they do a lot of work with, like, I was like, you know, dogs kicking ass until he's not. And then they just throw in a couple, you know, yelping. And, and uh-huh. uh, you know, we care about dogs. We care about Daryl's dog in particular. And they're like, it's they just had a way to break contact because otherwise, you know, they couldn't tell the story they want to tell. It, it, I thought it was hilarious when they, like, crash zoomed in on the savior with the incredibly pretty blue eyes. <laughs> oh, oh the, <laughs> the, the, the Reaper, yeah. Yeah, what I, what I say, savior, savior, Reaper. Yeah. Yeah, the Reaper with the like, you know, just wearing a mask that had slightly wider than usual eye sockets just so you could see these like just just like incredibly piercing blue eyes. Uh, And I'm like, huh, I wonder I didn't even occur to me that they bring Leah back. though. Yeah, same here. So I was like, I wonder who the woman that's leading this Reaper. I was thinking of like all the different women that we've known on the show and if they made some kind of connection. Is this craziest possibility was like, is this fucking uh Eugene's girl. Uh, oh boy, blue moonlighting as some kind of militant. Ba- I don't know, but no, it's just Leah. Yeah. 
Uh, I th- so there's a beginning here is like them kind of stalking Daryl, right? Uh, and I was sort of impressed. I'm like, okay, they're showing Daryl is just as sneaky, right? He's just as badass as these Reapers. He might be the only one in our group who is. Uh, but then I noticed when Daryl's hiding behind this wall, he is casting a shadow out onto the path where the Reaper is walking. <laughs> And it's moving around like it's it's a shadow. This is dance. It's clearly a human form. He's mm-hmm. not being nearly as sneaky as he thinks he is or the show thinks he is. Yeah, I didn't catch that because I actually in my notes thought it was pretty, you know, it's it's very video gamey, but like the stealth, you know, of combat oh, avoidance. Yeah. And this is like, yeah, throw a broken bottle in the opposite way you want to go. Wait till the guard gets distracted. Hustle across, you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was good but i didn't notice the <laughs> apparently neither did the, the scary Reaper, shadow so. man yeah yeah it worked uh then daryl does the guts trick as the reapers stalk him into the morning daryl's also track or sorry dog is also tracking daryl which uh one of the reapers notices and starts to track dog there's this whole chain of like dog tracks daryl reaper tracks dog it's pretty good mm-hmm. uh daryl hears dog and follows the sound to find a reaper holding him the Reaper removes her mask to reveal that she's Leah, and she demands to know who the people he's here with were. He lies, says they're just some randos. Dog won't come when called by Daryl, and other Reapers surround him. Uh, not nearly as much guts as I would hope was hoping that Daryl would have on his face when he turned around, because they play it like, oh, he's going to turn around, and it's going to be disgusting. Yeah, And then it's just, just kind of a dried, thin film. Like compared to his hands, I wanted to see just covered, dripping in gore. I'm telling you, they used to do this shit where they would put like ropes of entrails and they would have arm, legs, and hands and feet around their neck. Right? And you want to really corpse it up. It's but this, I don't know. They're just uh, they're just hitting you with some some blackish red blood now and calling it good. Yeah, uh, but they still like. It's also like uh, you know, this guy must smell like holy hell. They they. <laughs> Yeah, they mention it in the next scene where she's like, "We gotta get you clean before they start waterboarding him." But like, oh my god, can you imagine being locked into a old ass cabin with no air circulation with this guy? Yeah. Oh my god, it'd be awful. What's God? What's God's plan for this stench, man? That's what I want to know from from Pope. Uh, I do um, like the close up on this knife. He's kind of like standing a few yards away, holding the knife behind his back halfway, and they're like. He's in the foreground of a shot that is focused on her in the background, and they're showing this knife, and you can see, like, okay, he doesn't trust her. Um, Mm. There's a a lot of symbolism in him in that stance. I liked it. Yeah, he's acting uh, throughout this whole episode, acting inside the acting. You know, he's, like, trying to convince her of what she knew about him at the time, which is that, uh, you know, he's mostly a loner, and, you know, she knows about the family, but... He's got answers for that, and he just wants desperately to sell them on the idea that, like, he didn't really know these people and uh, to try to protect them. And I thought they did a really good job at this dance. Yeah. Uh, And again, like I said, I didn't buy him and Leah's relationship, but that's in the past. And they had a relationship and I actually Mm -hmm. bought I actually thought it worked in the context of like, well, if you thought they did have an intimate relationship and there were some you know, maybe hurt feelings on both sides. This is what these guys would act like. So it, it, yeah. it was able to work, even though it didn't work back in the, in the in original telling. Uh, the one thing I was not totally satisfied with is they missed a perfect opportunity for a callback here when she asks like about his group and Daryl says, I ain't one of them. There was he could have said me ain't them and it would have been the best callback. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I thought about it a couple them. times. Yeah, <laughs> when he was saying that is like dangerously close to that. Yeah. It would have made him sound like an idiot, but also it would have been hilarious. Uh I got another hilarious thing to talk about here in a bit, but we're not quite there. Okay. This is one of the, I, I want to remark about this, uh, not for nothing. It's this is like one of the longest cold opens I can recall in Walking Dead history. Yeah. Like almost seven minutes before they hit us with the title sequence. In fact, it surprised me. I thought we'd already gotten through it. Mm-hmm. But uh long, long establishing cold open here. Yeah. And when we come back, Daryl's captured and taken to the Reaper headquarters. I don't even the stronghold. I don't know. Where he's questioned cabin. by, yeah, yeah, just a cabin in inside of their bigger base, right? That's true. Is this their base or is this someplace they're squatting? I don't understand that quite either. I 
honestly, this could have been the backyard of the savior compound for, for the smokestacks mm. going on, right? Mm. This looks like maybe they Very used industrial. the same building. Cause could I saw be this the factory. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. It could be the backside of the savior complex. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. They had a little time left on the lease or something. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, he's questioned by Leah. She's waterboarding him, but he doesn't break. And Daryl makes up more stories about his people, but Leah doesn't buy it. So they throw him in a cell and leave him there. So this is where I thought that they had a really nice scene composition where they take him to the cabin. They got those windows, the light streaming through. They did they really nice and atmospheric. Uh, they also kept on showing a close up on his hands. Number yes. one, to show off how poorly he was bound. Mm, like, sure. oh, my God, I cannot believe like, come on, tie a guy up, will you? <laughs> uh, number two is like he was doing something. keeping count. Yes. Of their oh, people, any, right? Of their people. I, I think he was taking stock of their. Yeah. Of their resources. The different, the different voices he was hearing. OK, because I was trying to think of like maybe he's keeping track of steps somehow. Like, you know, there's a way that you can right. like a series of like five beads. Keep track up to like uh, 20 kilometers of, of a march or something. So I thought maybe he's trying to keep track of like how far he'd walked and how many in a certain direction, but I think you're right. Cause he could probably he see the sun was getting account of the people. Yeah. I think he is. And when Leah asks him, like says to him later, Oh, you've been doing, you've been busy working down here or whatever. He had just mentioned how many people they have. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And she I says, I see you've been doing work down. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That it wasn't immediately apparent, but it made sense in context. Uh, I like the contrast between him saying that, you know, uh, Cause we, that's the thing is like that scene where she breaks down and talks about her, her people. I remember thinking like, what kind of crazy military organization past the fall? Like it didn't, it seemed very contradictory, but with this extra background information that they were a military unit that then went private in the mercenary work and continued doing that kind of shady shit through the zombie apocalypse and was used to like maybe do crowd control or you know strategic strikes and then they were betrayed or maybe just a you know considered expendable when they're firebombing atlanta or whatever the fuck their situation this filled in a lot of those gaps in the story mm-hmm. uh and i felt like you know again it didn't make sense in the time but like adding that what i knew to this it's like started to make sense and it gave weight to her words of like when daryl's like where'd you go i looked all over for you and she's like, oh, yeah, well, my real family found me and they didn't ever stop looking for me. Yeah. Um, which I thought that's, you know, again, I think this is all nuts, but like you can see how she has gotten this really deep relationship with these people. Also explains why uh, she was able to live kind of alone in the cabin as a little badass. Doesn't explain why a single zombie fucking locked her in her bathroom. <laughs> Uh, that's <laughs> still kind of fucking suspect, but yeah. she's a real fucking certified badass. All these people are mm-hmm. so like they're crazy good combat skills. Uh, well, they're military trained, like a, maybe special forces types. Uh, again, <laughs> like I said that that all none of this stuff made sense, but they were starting to pick pick up the pieces and put them together. I don't remember the exact timeline of the episode that they met in. D- How much time has passed between then Dude. and now? Well, it start. I think they first started like it's like it's s- tough because the dog was a puppy, and now it's got like a gray muzzle. I think that like story spanned five or six years from it's from like the first months after wow. Rick's okay. death to right up to like at six week months or so before we rejoined the plot. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think he right. yeah Daryl spent like five fucking years looking for Rick's body or something in that little tiny patch of land. Yeah, I mean, he's out there a while. Yeah. Um, it, it, one other thing that I'm not sure they need to do and so I'm not even sure they're actually meaning to do it but if you look at the context of uh, what they're trying to do with Daryl they're trying to get information yeah. about the group out of him right mm-hmm. same thing they're doing in the commonwealth with Eugene Ezekiel Yumiko and Princess are they trying to contrast these groups with their interrogation techniques? Because one is waterboarding you and the other is asking you questions. Yeah, I think you're right. Like um, the overt menace and uh, use of tour. And the thing is, is like, um, I'm not, uh, yeah, like, it is it is interesting in comparing like you know what uh, the Commonwealth, which 
maybe is a functioning society that has like a rule of law versus people who are essentially in Jack Bauer mode 24 seven. Right. And the fact that like uh, usually torching an individual target is not going to get you anything. But like if you have multiple targets that you can apply torture to independently and verify the stories, I'm not uh, that that might work better. Um, so like, I feel like them, you know, having two people that they can make sure, you know, they get the story. I, I, there's, there's something to that, but I, I think, yeah, you're might be onto something about them deliberately comparing and contrasting. Yeah. But like, I don't know that they need to, that's the thing, right? Cause we've never seen well, the Commonwealth murder anyone straight up, but we've seen that all the time with the Reapers. So and yeah, that seems the big redundant. question I have. Are they drawing a comparison? Like that seems like be useful if like, uh, you know, the Reapers were torturing people, but, you know, also they were like more fundamentally good or free or whatever the fuck that means. Because, you know, Rick's groups tortured people for information. Yeah. Uh, contrast to the Commonwealth, who does things nicey nice, but maybe deeper, darker, sinister. But I don't think they're doing that. I think both of these outfits are going to be seen as equally bad. Maybe not. I Honestly, maybe that's what Kang is hoping that I think going in that the Commonwealth are assholes and then I'm rooting for the Alexandrians to take him down from the inside and they actually are just literally terrorists trying to undermine a stable society. Yeah, I, I, I'm holding out hope that that is the case. I, I do yeah. think Commonwealth is going to be shown to be pretty good on the whole. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. That may, that's why I say maybe I am reading too much into this. Maybe they're not intending to contrast these two groups so much, but because it's a little too obvious, you know, like Mm -hmm. murderers Mm -hmm. versus people who aren't murdering you. (laughs) Right. Pretty obvious. Anyway, another prisoner recognizes Daryl, but I don't recognize the prisoner. Is this one of Maggie's people? Uh, Yeah, he's one of the Jesus 2.0s, I think, that might have survive somehow but yeah he's definitely okay. one of the people we've seen but it's hard because it's very dark his face is covered in blood and bruised wait I mean I, is is this Casey Jones no no he's not no he's not Casey Jones for sure no 100% yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. huh all right <laughs> I'm remembering what Casey Jones looked I'm, I'm thinking this might I don't ever get a good look at this dude is the problem I can't place him from yeah. any of the previous scenes yeah it's also i know dark. he's not casey jones but i'm not sure who he is exactly of okay the many people in maggie's group that had been lucky to get a nickname this guy's not shoulders i know nope. for that he might be one of the jesuses he's not agatha. But he's not casey jones not agatha uh, uh i i, I like the scene of like uh i thought it was funny that you know it's very that's this is the scene that I thought is funny. The fact that like Daryl's doing this very hammy, like for the guard performance. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know yes. you. We ain't friends. We just shared a bag of grain. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We should have let you starve, asshole. Yeah. And you hear that like, guard? <laughs> yeah. And then Daryl's like, well, well, wait a minute. Call asshole. I think that's uncalled for, amigo. After all we've been through, you just going to turn on me like that? You know? <laughs> it's the thing, just get, you could say the guy like plays a part too much and pisses Daryl off that's the it, thing about these scenes right uh-huh. these scenes are such a fine hair thin line to walk right. because you want to convey to the audience that there is a coded right signal coming across here that the other person is understanding right but you also have to as an audience member believe that reasonably the guards wouldn't pick up on that yes and Unless you're using very specific context that only our characters and the audience would know, uh, you're going to have a hard time with that. And they aren't doing that here. They're they're using tone of voice. They're using body language and winks and nods and shit that guards would pick up on. So I don't think it's like super effective. No, but it's, it's but I see what they're doing. And because that's the thing is, like, if you ever tried this in real life, like if you ever try to kick someone under the table that's saying something they shouldn't like 99 out of 100 times, they're like, why are you fucking kicking me? Because <laughs> right. they're oblivious. If they knew that they were treading the line, they probably wouldn't be doing it. Right. Right. Or right. like if you're like, uh, like if you're trying to like desperately with your eyes, tell your friend, shut up. I told my mom I was at your house last night. And, you know, like it's obvious to everyone that there's something that's happened. Yeah. Like the energy changes on, right. on in the room. And yeah, it, but it's but you could trophy. do it with coded language, right? You could do you it can. with Darmok and Jalad shit, right? Where yeah. the guards just wouldn't understand, but the other person gets it. 
Or it's like, you know, when the uh, well, a great way to handle this is have a prearranged distress signal. So like when someone's on the phone sure. and they're being like, you know, coerced, they can say, uh, you know, you can ask them like, uh, how's your hemorrhoids acting up? Oh, they're flaring up bad. Ah, Jimmy doesn't have hemorrhoids. This me must be being. Tw-. Yeah, it's like you can do shit like that. But like right. this where it's kind of half an ad hoc, it's a little tougher story to tell. But it's fine. It wasn't awful, but it works. And then there's the, the the effective tension built when, you know, she she comes in there and says, you know, you've been stubborn and you're not telling us the whole truth. And then they haul the other guy off mm-hmm. to be tortured. And like, I don't know anything about is he as strong as Daryl? Probably not fucking likely. Yeah. Uh, so it's it gives you a lot of. um you're not really sure and like where Daryl stands until like the very end of the show. And then the very end of the show is so fucking crazy for the last 15 minutes that you kind of, you know, you just kind of go with it. So I, I thought yeah. it on the whole uh, works really well. Agreed. So then Leah visits Daryl in his cell, starts asking more questions. The other guy uh, is dragged back in and the Reaper says they found one of their own, which is bossy. Bussy. Bussy, bussy. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Leah goes to see him, and I guess the body of, of another one. We, this is all the artifact of last. No, not last episode. Two episodes ago, right in Akron Part the Two, mall, where Maggie the, the mall carnage. Yeah, fights them in the mall. Uh, these are the two guys. There's some religious ceremony being performed over the body. They're they're praying in like Latin, I, I, something. I don't know. The stuff that said speaking in tongues, which I'm like, oh, my God, okay. we got some holy roller handling vipers, drinking bastard battery acid types. Like, yeah, because I, I so before I found out about the mercenary nature, I'm like, this is an interesting thing, because I imagine like a church that's that like, you know, the like Eastern Kentucky uh, evangelical, you know, King mm-hmm. James version blood dripping with the words of Christ handling snakes and drinking, drinking poison like that's baseline 21st century crazy. <laughs> right. Post zombie apocalypse. I'm like, oh, this could be fucking hot and wild. But I, mean, I, I think they're people. like literally We've speaking in tongues, which is, I, I don't know how to describe that. Christians not understanding their own theology. Like when the apostles were speaking in tongues, my understanding is the Holy Spirit was serving as a universal translator device mm. for them to go across the Mediterranean and preach the word effectively to people of all languages. But somehow in the event in the in the extreme fundamentalist evangelical world, that just means you getting up and going because you're moved by the Holy Spirit and no one's going to fucking understand you. Yeah. Um, so that they subscribe to this, that theory of speaking in tongues, um, at least according to the closed captioning. Gotcha. Um, and then we get introduced to Pope, although I'm not sure we know his name yet. Uh, he, he steps out of the shadows. He says, God is here. He's angry. I'm angry. Do you feel that? Go make him feel our wrath. How do you make them this feel your wrath guy. if you don't know who or where they are? I don't know. But there's something about this guy. He's serious. He feels like yeah. a leader of men, someone that can get you to uh, bear a lot of cognitive dissonance. That speech about God being here and he's angry and I'm angry. And, you know, do you feel it? Make them feel it like, yeah, you don't have a target yet. But like, that's pretty effective getting people whipped up into a frenzy. I thought he stepped out of the shadows and first I saw him and I was like, is that Locke from Lost? <laughs> He's got a very Terry O'Quinn look going on. I think I actually looked him up because I'm like, I think he actually is one of the gangsters that the Joker tries to recruit in the Dark Knight. He's one of the, huh. you know, like like the 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 big crime bosses of Gotham City that like the Joker's okay. secretly trying to rob the whole movie. Around the table, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's one of those one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, that's I, I looked at he's been in a lot of different stuff, but that's the one that I really recognized. Gotcha. Uh, he's good, though. We'll we'll see a lot more of him. later. I thought so. I thought he's a good you know, he's right up there like alpha for uh, so far. They haven't made him ridiculous. Yet, but he's up there yeah. with a pretty good, menacing, intimidating, charismatic villain. I mean, as, as far as making him look ridiculous, the hat's going a long way, but also. Alpha had a pretty ridiculous hat too. So she did have a bit much. of a ridiculous hat, you know? Yeah. All right. Daryl tests his bindings when Leah comes back and tells him, uh, all, all about her mercenary life for her, her brother Turner's dead. Mm-hmm. She's sad about it. Seeking comfort in Daryl. They talk about, you know, their past relationship 
that we saw in the bonus episodes. Um, and he, she, she, he's giving her something that he can use to satisfy her leader Pope mm-hmm. by telling her vague information about the group. Um, yeah. you got a tall one, you got a skinny one, you got a one with a shotgun, you got a mm-hmm. one who's a lady, who's a leader, a you- priest, a woman, and a tall, skinny guy that won't <laughs> shut up, walked into a right. compound and decided they were the ruling council. Yeah, it's the, yeah. that's the setup of the joke. And then she says, I'll, I'll help get you out, and she leaves. So there's 15 of these. Uh, that's the thing is, like, I think that Daryl's probably missed. I don't, I don't know. Um... I don't know how many mercenaries there are. Like he's got, does he have an accurate count of 15? Do you think the, the, the reavers are all here? Uh, it seems like it based on what Leah says to Pope after this, she says they've yeah, got double true. the force. And he said it was like three dozen. So three dozen, so 36 versus 15. Yeah. That's yeah. about right. So, so like she wouldn't, why would she lie to Pope? Right. Um, okay. Um, although yeah. it's obviously way more than they actually have. They have Maggie and Negan. <laughs> As best yeah. I can tell, are the two left who are coming to oh, Meridian? Oh, they don't have thirty-six ass. fighters. That was just some um, them bullshitting. Yeah. Totally, but like fifteen is way more than they can take. Way more. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know what the purpose of going to Meridian is at this point. If this is Meridian, I don't. And there are fifteen Reapers there. How do we know this know. is Meridian? Because okay, it's where the like, Reapers are, and she said the Reapers took Meridian. I. I don't like I'm just assuming Yeah, that's the thing I don't understand either because if the re there's two ways to to interpret the Reapers took Meridian the Reapers took Meridian and they're living there sure which means you're going right into the teeth of the fucking tiger that's what I'm assuming they took Meridian and looted it and then went back to their main base in which case the place is empty burned it to the ground seeing if it could withstand fire sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah they had to do a couple initiations you know how it is I, I feel like that that's the they uh, they the it's been a little sloppy Joe on that piece of the storytelling because at, n- at no point do I think um, but then again like Kang seems to be doing a couple of these things where it's like well it doesn't make sense you know we've been searching for months to find these horses and it's everyone else has given up hope but one character is going to go out there and do the impossible it's going to so like maybe it's one of those things where like Maggie just like well. It's not a great option, but it's beats like just sitting around here and starving to death. So let's try it. Um, Does it beat going out and lassoing horses to eat? Because that seems know. to be an option. Uh, you know, horse in your belly is worth three in a field is what I've always been told. But I, yeah, I just do wonder. It's like what? So if they get up there and they win Meridian and it's just loaded with supplies, then what do I think about the fucking Reapers? Yeah. Or the Reavers, or whatever the hell they're called. They're just um, not hungry um, enough. Yeah, Sterile yeah. hungry because they got a shitload of grain that's just going to expire if they don't use it. They're, this yeah. grain is meant for 400 people. They've got 15. We can't yeah. eat all this food. Are you hungry? Yeah, you got you to help us. Help us uh, take, a, take a dent out of this stuff. This <laughs> right. shit's going to go bad. Um, what did you think of their speech together? Leah talking about her mercenary past. So, like, these guys are you know, uh, soldiers in the U S military doing work overseas, probably in Iraq and Afghanistan, Syria, those kind of places, mm-hmm. uh, the get, they, they, uh, rotate off and this Pope guy keeps them all together this time as mercenaries. And now they go back in the same places, but they're doing dirtier shit and it's making it feel a certain way about it, but also bindly tightening, tightening, tight, knit, tightening, tightly knitting them together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. And that they haven't like this is a badass group. They have they're not routinely lose people. Like she mentioned that like the first time she lost someone that she really cared about was Daryl, and that's like you know the five seven year time period period. So they're not like dropping like flies. They've been they're they're survivors. They're they're ruthless and rugged. Um. So, but I I don't know because on the other hand, it's like there's this problem. This nihilist. Like I don't think that people like if she's saying. You know, it's no point of us being together. We'd never be happy in this world. And he's like, is that you or your family talking? And she like, I don't know. Like this guy, like the, the same problem with the whispers. Like there's no hope being held out in these worldviews as far as I can tell. So how do you keep people, you know, wrapped? All, all the cults I've been in tell you that, no, you, you this is actually your key to getting eternal life or living forever, getting God's favor um like one it's like this is you know this is essentially like like i feel like if i bought into the pope's thing i'd blow my head off so i get to heaven that much faster Mm -hmm. because holy shit it's nothing but demons and devils walking the earth right now yeah 
good, good point. I don't know what hope either of those groups had. Um, I can only tell you the hope I have, which is that the people who are better than them will get out of this. Mm hmm. Or, or, you know, come to some reasonable end uh, at the end of this show. We'll see. Uh, but before we see, let's take a quick break. All right, next up, uh, Leah reports her findings to Pope. Um, did we talk about this scene already? No, we haven't. Okay. She makes a case for Daryl joining the group, and Pope thinks the relationship might be clouding her judgment, and she tries to convince him she's loyal. He decides, I'm going to see for myself if I can trust Daryl. I thought uh, they did a good job of, I was, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was, I was going to tie it in the next one. So go for it. I thought they did a good job of showing how these types of charismatic figures kind of hold their people under control. They're like, this, this mm-hmm. carrot, there's like a much bigger stick, but this carrot and stick where he's questioning her worth and her judgment and breaking her down, making her feel worthless. And then when he gets her and she start like, you know, then he, flips back to like, well, you know, the only reason I'm this way is because I believe in you more than any of the others and build them back up. We saw a similar thing with Alpha in a way she, I I think they're doing a really good job of showing people like, hey, this is how these like abusive, but these are type abusive relationships that you might get out of and be like, oh, I learned so much from this person or this person was such a great mentor to me or what, and they'll take Mm -hmm. credit for all of your brilliance and have you believe it. Um, It's a really, like I said, I don't know, some of this is a valuable public service. It's like, if you ever find yourself in these similar situations or being told these things, like recognize it for what it is. Yeah, um, there's a there's a system and an acronym they use. What is it? Scuba? There's there's some <laughs> some acronym for the the things the tactics they employ in these cults. You're talking about the bite method? Bite, yes. Yeah, like the, the control of behavior. I forget uh, behavior, information. I forget what the other two are, but yeah, like all the different facets of control that these groups have over their individuals. Yeah. If you're interested in that stuff, look that up because it is interesting. I I don't remember it anymore, but. Uh, So the test apparently to see if he can trust Daryl is to take him to the interrogation room, lock Leah in there with him and then set the place on fire so that they can, uh, survive the fire i guess and that's exactly what happens daryl busts them out through a window pushes leah out and then extricates himself and outside pope is standing there with all his goons and he says it makes him part of the group essentially yeah i i actually thought this worked really effectively because like i believe that like you know what pope's decided that she's full of shit and she's he's not taking any more and you know, they're going to go ahead and, and roll up Daryl and uh, Leah at the same time. And then as soon as they busted out and I realized what was happening, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense, too. Mm-hmm. And her it like instantly both going, of them, right? Yeah. And her instantly going to the other side and doing this uh, fortuto salutis. Uh, I looked into this there. Like I said, the show has built a lot of track up to this uh, and we noticed everything. But we're like, what the f-? I, we had no idea what it meant. And I was reluctant to. Um, look up anything because I was afraid to get a comic spoilers. I guess this stuff is I don't think it has anything to do with the comics this Reaver stuff is mm. what my understanding is but like we saw that in the uh, Cabin in the Woods episode with Leah and Daryl that she had this uh, kind of flame tattoo with this uh, for Tudido Saludus uh, along the margins. Now this is an allusion to Psalms 140 uh, verse 7 Oh, God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation that in Latin, the strength of my salvation is fortudido salutis. Uh, so that's what this means. Strength of my salvation, um, you know, underlies the religious overtones. That knife that he got from Leah that was like his favorite knife that he loaned to Carol. It had the words FS scrawled in, scrolled in, mm. etched into its handle. So they've had these like little teases, these things of world building that they've and and now we uh, it's all laid out. They didn't tell us what it meant. I'm sure that they'll eventually get there. But like it's even if you don't know literally what it means, you get the idea that these people are very interested in like it's it's, they're they're not your conventional soldiers doing a mission. They're on a literal mission from God. Uh, They have this like fire based theology that both purifies and punishes and illuminates and. You know, it's very much like uh, the Lord of Light, Azora High, (laughs) out of Game of Thrones. 
this version of Yahweh is. Um, but I, I yeah, like I when the more I researched into it, the more I'm like interesting. This is all kind of interesting, and people were figuring this out or putting some of this stuff together way back in March of last year during the the initial run. Um, huh. So okay. yeah, I thought I thought it worked well building the tension. Like it seemed like you know like oh they got to search around, they got to find something to pry the things off of. It, it's good, and I feel like the Leah probably was willing to die like that was like she was willing to be tested to get into the favor of pope and to get daryl into that favor as well yeah they make a big deal about them not fearing death right not not fearing anything um so yeah i'm sure she was uh and then the next scene is pope telling daryl all of this right all about their uh mercenary groups time in afghanistan and after the fall uh and the point uh at which they were forged in fire and came through the flames as God's chosen ones. And he points out that Daryl came through the flames without a scratch uh, and then asks if he's hungry. Yeah, I is. I mean, this seems like an ultimate case of survivor bias to me, where it's just like, oh, you're the chosen ones because you survived. What about the people who didn't? Uh, and if you hadn't, you wouldn't be the chosen ones. I, yeah, it's, it's definitely survivor bias, but whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how these these things get started. Do you think we'll get any flex? Because I honestly, some of the stuff he's alluding to sounds kind of interesting. Like, I would love to know what kind of black ops work yeah. they were doing for the government post fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the politicians, um, him talking about them, like. Yeah, doing other stuff after the apocalypse hits. But they might have been like, so they might have been paid as to the do the next like, war. I yeah, like the war against the dead and like maybe because like I think he might be misinterpreting things like because he's like, imagine if you're a mercenary group and you're assigned to protect like this particular med- medicine outpost or food outpost or whatever. And the whole city that you're attached to gets overrun and they start doing like we saw. What was that in season two of The Walking Dead? The flashback of like Atlanta being carpet bomb, maybe a season one that's from like Lori and the. Uh, um, uh, Fuck Rick. Rick's best friend. Oh, Shane. Uh, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lori and Shane's perspective. And they're looking out and they're seeing, you know, Atlanta mm-hmm. being carpet bombed. If you're a, if you're a mercenary in that situation, you might think the government's turned on you when when in reality, the government is just like, you know, essentially trying to ca- like amputate and cauterize a whole city to, to get yeah. nip this in the bud. So I don't know. And you're, I would love expendable. to see. And you're, yeah, you're a mercenary. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see like some flashbacks of some of this action. I don't think we'll get it, but man, as he was talking, I'm like, this sounds really dope. And that's the thing. I feel like I'm really starved, even with the fear of the walking dead, giving us a little bit. Like I just never got enough of like that. Hey, yeah. stable society, 21st century to fall in the chaos action. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite part of the zombie apocalypse tales. Uh, same. Is the fall. And I, yeah, I'm. I'm. There was always yada yada through it too. It's like it's like right at that critical moment, and then six months later, and like there's nothing left. So yeah, like, they seem well, to yeah, be what? doing telling, not showing a lot in this season so far. Maggie's story yeah. about that, you know, house full of uh, women that she That's had to murder. True. That was yeah. fucked up, and I wanted to see some of that, and they didn't bother. Yep. 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 Uh. He also alludes to this story from the book of Daniel, chapter three. Um, that's a story where Israel had just been conquered by the Babylonians and they, they took all of the like essentially the royal family from the, uh, the kings of uh, Judah and all that into captivity. The young men, they're training. That's what the Babylonians did, like very Genghis Khan. They take all your princes and princesses, train them up and educate them. And then they're your new rulers. Um Daniel and his friends were loyal to God and the advisors, the the king were really pissed about the fact that they kept uh, faith to their old gods. And they uh, went up to the king and was like, hey, king, you should pass this rule where if you pray to any other god besides the Babylonian gods, you get thrown into a fiery pit. And the king's like, that sounds like a right. good rule. Why not? Our gods are the awesomest. Uh, so he passes that. And even though he had a, a shine to to Daniel and his companions. Uh, the religious advisors waited until Daniel and his companions, of course, started praying to the 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 their their god, and then like, aha, we got you. And the king's like, ah, oh, fuck, I've been I've been putting in a machination of my own design. Well, I get, it's the rule of the land, boys. So in the fire you go, and uh, the the everyone's all like really wanting to see Daniel burn up and his companions. And turns out they threw in four guys. Now there's like eight guys walking down there. What the fuck's going on? God sent 
his angels to protect these and they're not getting burnt up and the the king's advisors are screaming these words like uh these men mm. who have bodies that fire has no power over and they're released unharmed and then the king because of the treachery of his royal advisors then throws them into the the thing because you know that's that's the way these things go i will say but, uh, that that I, the fire pit is a much more impressive feat than the lion's den it's true because the lions could just maybe there's not hungry right you know? or yeah. like daniel's he's old and bony they don't like, like old gristle man <laughs> right. hard to throw. deny the fire its meal <laughs> yeah yeah well it's that's def, definitely some divine intervention there but uh yeah you know i'm just flexing my uh, bible school knowledge um yeah. no, i, I like it i i like a good post-apocalyptic religious cult you sure know, see my coverage of the leftovers for evidence of that mm-hmm. so i'm liking it i'm liking it yeah um so daryl's taken to a bonfire where everyone's eating and pope tells them that he's family pope realizes uh oh this bussy guy <laughs> this bussy guy uh turned his back on his brother you know, he doesn't have the full context here, but that's apparently a no-no, and so he throws him in the fire to punish him, and he does not survive the fire. Not even close. The fire has power over his body, so... Hell yes. I love the visuals in this scene, man. They did a bang-up job on the effects work. They really did, man. That That's like, ah, there's a few things that really shake me anymore in The Walking Dead, but watching a man burn to death in close-up as his face is literally melting into the fire. As Bubbling he's, and ugh. Ooh, seemed like what you'd call a bad way to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. Like, at first I thought it was just going to be a horror, and this guy's going to have, like, some sick-ass scars, Dwight-style yeah, but and I'm like, I kind of like, well, this is I've already literally already seen a lieutenant with a half burnt face that goes around with a chip on their shoulder the whole time. And I'm like, oh, no, he's going for well done. This is <laughs> it's done. Yeah. For sure. And again, this guy like just, uh, you know, we know that this guy died like a hero and went above and beyond. But he's being executed like a dog just because of literal circumstantial evidence and because Pope thinks God speaks to him. And yeah. also, I think Pope literally believes that if he was wrong about this kid, he wouldn't have burnt up in the fire. He would have figured Probably. out some way to escape it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the thing I don't quite understand is the way the show plays this because they don't just play it as Pope has the wrong. They don't play it as Pope has the wrong idea in any way, right? They play it 100 percent. Pope is right about this guy, mm-hmm. and the guy knows it because the guy's acting very sheepish the whole time from the beginning, even before he starts questioning things, right? So the guy himself knows that he did a bad thing by turning his back on his brother, but I don't see it that way as an audience member because I've seen the context of the thing. So I don't know why that guy does like maybe he's acting squirrely because it's kind of like when Joe Pesci starts asking questions like, oh, you think I'm funny? Like you're scared. You didn't do anything wrong, but this guy's capable of violence. But then Kang gets on the mic segment and says, says, oh, he doesn't do this very often. And it's been seven years since we've lost someone important to us and this and that. So like, but if you yeah. just did it the other day, like yesterday with Judas, the Judas or today, so, I mean, this window of time is happening in the same window of time that we just saw. Right. So like right. Judas could have been burned that very freaking day for all we know, mm-hmm. or he might be burning in the fire as we speak, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's true. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe he's scared for a reason that is not. He thinks he did something wrong. Yeah. This Judas stuff just happened and maybe it's so. Yeah. Uh, And but but that begs the question is what has changed? Like, why has Pope gone like you lose one guy, two guys, maybe? Why are you swinging into the Judas burning at the stake, burning on the barbecue pit? That kind of like what what's changed this group dynamic has gone from like harsh spartan military order and all that kind of stuff to like these extra just just like pointless killings that and it seems like it, it's uh there's it's generating a lot of cognitive dissonance in the reefers because you look at leah and she's kind of sickened but also kind of like not willing to go against pope or kind of like you know one of those things where it's like man i wouldn't i wouldn't so because sometimes people have that reaction of like when they see something uh in a control group that they're horrified by they deal with the cognitive dissonance by saying i couldn't do that horrific thing but i'm glad we have a leader that's capable of being that strong 
and they can mm-hmm. protect us. Like you have to like, you know, it's not like I wouldn't do that because I'm a decent person and I'm not a whore to like, I'm just weak. I'm too right. weak to lead and we need to lead. So like it, I thought it was really effective and, and they did a really good job of all that. saying all that in the performances as they're wheeling around and seeing these guys, like almost like a fucking troop of gorillas that won't meet the graybacks, you know, silverbacks eyes are like all kind of like that, you know, like avoiding his gaze and being, yeah. And then, then, then Daryl, freshly with fresh eyes drinking all this shit in and you can see <laughs> like yeah I'm, well i think daryl might be the key to the scene because what you're saying makes a lot of sense but also there's an element of trading up here where daryl has just proved oh, himself in the fire yeah um, and burning this guy who has refused who refused to do that right by not turning his back on his brother or whatever reinforces to the rest of the group a their values and B that Daryl is now part of it. I, I think there's an element of like trading up from bussy, bussy over here over to Daryl, yeah. submissible and submissive and breedable bussy <laughs> to to Daryl. Or I when you said trade up, I'm thinking like oh, but like also like what if Daryl is a better leader than Pope? Like how mm. many missions do they take before Daryl proves his worth and? You know, he's a fireproof, like you said, and like you're losing your grip. Uh, God, it almost would have been better to put Negan in this situation mm. because I buy Negan being a better leader. I mean, we've seen him do it right to a he's had he had the group of the saviors, which he led all of them B, uh He just took over an entire group of whispers. Right. Uh, I think it would be super interesting to see him going into this religious cult and being tempted again like uh, maybe maybe it's not maybe it's too much of a rehash but like daryl doesn't seem like the leader type he's never wanted it he's never been it he's always been the follower or or the not not a leader but not a follower he's been sort of independent too but like yeah he's been like a strong right arm that is does the what the whoever the leader's bidding you know right or wrong mm -hmm. um I always think of that scene where like Rick's trying to decide whether he wants to string somebody up and he's like, you know, and like this is like season two or season three and Daryl's the guy fetching him and he's got the, he's like stringing him up and Daryl starts to do it. He's like, ah, don't do it. And Daryl's the guy like, oh, okay. Um, Uh But here's the thing is like, I've always thought of Daryl like this, that the show has always said that Daryl would be an excellent leader, but he doesn't want to be for some reason because he's insecure. He's afraid. Mm -hmm. He was always been the little brother overshadowed by the, the meaner, more abusive big brother. Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, it would be an interesting character arc for him to, to step into those leadership roles, those father roles, uh, the, 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 that he's always denied as a way to get him into position where he's ready to carry his own show. Sure. Right. Break his mold a little bit. They they, they might be, they might be leaning into that direction where it's like, we're going to now tell you the story of how Daryl comes into his own. Like he, he's always rejected. He's not looked for it, but he is a natural leader. People want to follow him because he's such a good example. You know, it's going to be tough to break this hold. I, I don't know how they get there from here. I don't see the path. uh, What if he takes over? over What what if this is a completely parallel group where he actually takes over like this, that he takes over, the reavers from within and then yeah i just don't know how i would plausibly believe that he could break pope's hold on these people when he hasn't exhibited those skills yet because that's the thing like negan didn't do that with the whispers he ingratiated himself with alpha and then betrayed her Mm -hmm. that's different than of course like a lot of those guys wanted to treat him as the new alpha because of their fucked up theology maybe it would work you know it's like hey Hi, I've been passed through the fire and I killed Poe. If he could Poe burn burnt Pope up, alive, Pope burnt up. Pope burnt up like a fucking yeah. Roman candle. Yeah, like he could then. then <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe if he could burn Pope, that might do it. And you then can't go against like, yeah, go, that's him. That's like going against God. Yeah, uh-huh. he just gets, yeah, just get, puts a little bit of that and he'll be fine. I don't think you want the, the fire worshipers like just joining your group as is there'd probably be some deprogramming that needs to happen. Yeah. I'd love but, to see them process through the Commonwealth. You know, right, when's the last time right. you burnt a person alive? Uh, how firm are your shits? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they'd have to get off the min. They'd have to get off the standard menu of questions to, to bring oh, in the reavers yeah. for sure. All right. Well, I think that's about it for this episode. Uh, pretty yeah. good. One. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, like I said, it's like this is one of those weird. It's like it feels like a lot of this is built on a foundation of sand, but like, oh, you know, the walls are structurally secure so far. We'll see. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when the rain starts, what happens? But uh, if you have some thoughts on anything we talked about today, where you think the show's going, uh, where it's been, uh, the quality thereof, uh, whether you still believe in Kang or not, uh, watching dead at baldmove.com is the address you want to send those thoughts to. As you know, we normally record these live, but because of Jim's upcoming move, which is also it's this is a double whammy. It's uh the, the it's the the nerve center of the bald move studio and his personal domicile, so it's like a double double move. Yeah, gonna be a little disruptive to our especially our video stuff. So we will not be considering that live, but we will be having it out, and it will be out Wednesday. It's regular time, and then hope hopefully on Wednesdays to come, you can join us live uh, at twitch.tv slash bald move one p.m. Eastern on each Wednesday, except for this next one. We're going to do something a little bit different, but otherwise uh, you should have the next episode out uh, same date and time that the episode airs on AMC watching dead at baldmove.com. Uh, we will still consider the email. We just won't be able to do them live and we look forward to hearing your thoughts until then. We'll see you later. I'm Aaron and I'm Jim later. Later.